Luke chapter 10, where we'll find ourselves today, Luke chapter 10, and uh, somewhere beginning around verse uh, maybe 19. So. Luke chapter 10, verse, uh, start with 19. While we're turning there, we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I love you. And I thank you for this wonderful day that you've given. Thank you for the gifts and the time and, and the things that you put in us. Uh, I just thank you for your, your goodness and your mercy, your love. And Holy Spirit, I thank you and I praise you for your welcome here. We thank you for all that you're doing in this uh, body, in this community. Lord, we praise you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us. Be with us, lead God and direct us. Open our ears to hear and our eyes to see that which the Spirit is speaking to the church today. And Lord, if I, I need your help today. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 19. Uh, Jesus had sent the 70 out two by two. They had just come uh, to do some mighty great works. They come back in 17. It says that the 70 returned again with joy, uh, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning uh, fall from heaven. Behold, I give you the power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this we rejoice. Not that the spirits are subject of notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirit is subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written, written in heaven. He says, if we're going to rejoice, it's great to go do uh, mighty things. It's great to go do mighty works. But if you're going to rejoice in anything, he says, rejoice in that your name's written in the book. Rejoice that you you know where your destination is. Know in whom you've trusted, uh, and you're not trusting in yourself or in man. He says, I, I, it's, it's good that you see the fruits and you see the power and you see the, the evidence of Christ manifesting Himself through you, through gifts and callings and these other things. He said, but those things are, are, are part of it. You don't rejoice in them. Rejoice in the giver, not the gift. Rejoice in, in the one who's given you eternal life, uh, not who's given you temporal things. And, and I'm not knocking ministry. We all need to uh, exercise our gifts and our callings. We all need to uh, display the power of the Lord and the Holy Spirit working in our life. But he says, listen, you got to praise the giver more than you praise the gift because there comes a time when you can get so caught up in what you're doing for Him that you don't recognize that it's all about Him yeah. and that it's not about you. Uh, so he says, rejoice. And I rejoice in that it's all about your name being written in heaven and who you're bringing in to get their names written too and just not about the power uh, that you hold in, uh, and, and, and your gifts and your top callings. And then Jesus does something very uh, different here in 21. He says, and in that hour, that means the same time uh, they rejoice, but, and, and you are to rejoice in that. But in 21, it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. So he turns around and he says, I thank you, Father. Uh, that you, that me and you are one. That I know you, and you know me, and that they can know me. They can know you if they know me. He says, "I thank you, Father, that I know you, and you know me, and that they can know you if they know me." And then he turns and he looks at his disciples, and he says, "Blessed are you who see, 
these things, and blessed are you who hear these things. Blessed are you. Verse, uh, what is that, 23. And he turned. He was looking at the Father, having a conversation with the Father, and he turned to you, us. And he says, blessed are the eyes. He turned to his disciples privately. Blessed are the eyes which see these things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. In Jeremiah 2, 8, he says, uh, in 7, he goes, he says, uh, he brought them into a land, a plentiful country, to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. And he entered in, and you entered in, and you defiled the land. You made my heritage an abomination. The priest said, where's God? And they, and, and they handled the law. And those who handled the law, uh, the pastors uh, said, also transgressed, oh, I'm sorry. The priest said, where is God? And they handled the law and they knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets uh, prophesied in Baal and walked after the things that do not profit. He says, "When you, when they, I'm glad that, that, that we are one and that you can be one through me. And he says, blessed are your eyes and your ears that hear these things uh, because kings, was what he says, and desire to hear these things uh, I'm sorry. Uh, 24, many prophets and kings, I'm not sorry. Many prophets and kings, I'm getting it together, have desired to see these things which you see and have not seen them. He says, because when the prophets and the kings and the pastors come into the land, uh, they forgot who brought them into this place. They forgot how they got here. They forgot uh, who had brought them into this position. And they began to live like the land. Instead of change the land, the land began to change them because they had left... Uh, God, they had left him behind. And he says, you know what? They, they long to see what you see and they long to hear what you hear. And they went in. When they went in, they possessed, the land possessed them. They didn't possess the land. And he says, uh, so if you're going to rejoice, rejoice in that your name's written in heaven. If you're going to rejoice again, rejoice like Jesus did in the spirit uh, that he has revealed himself to you, that he has revealed himself to me, that eyes can see and ears can hear uh, that which is the Lord has wanting us to hear. And he says he does this, not to the wise, not to the prudent, but in 21 he says he's given it to babes to know these things. For the mind of a child, unless you uh, come as a dear child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things. Uh, but to the babe he loved, uh, the available, the humble, uh, the ones that was uh, that desired to see him. And, and as he looks to the disciples, he said, those people are you. And he looks at these 12 and he says, that's you. And blessed are your eyes that hear. You know, God don't hold anything back from us. Yeah. He's not shy when it comes to us. He's not, uh, uh, he, he knows what we're going through. He knows exactly what, he's not, uh, the enemy is not running things. He's not running your life. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're dealing with. He's heard every cry, every prayer, every scene, every tear, wiped them away. And he knows what's come through uh, your past and, and in your present presence. And he's not shy. He says, I will make these things known to you. Blessed are your eyes that see and your ears that hear. What do you see and what do you hear? That's the question today. What do you see and what do you hear? And at that time, a certain lawyer in 25 stood up and tempted him saying, well, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that's probably one of the greatest questions that can be asked any time or any way. 
What can I do to go to heaven? What can I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? And he says, well, what do you see written in the law? And what do you hear when you read it? What does the scripture show you? And what does it say to you? And he said, thou shalt uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now these priests or scribes uh, had a, the scriptures written on their arm. They had a box. They could look at the scripture and look them up if they needed to. And uh, But the Lord would tell us in this new covenant, in this new testament, he would tell us in the Proverbs to bind these scriptures on your heart, not your arm, not your hand. It's not, it's not with your hand that you do fulfill the scriptures. It's with your heart that you fulfill the scriptures. And he says, uh, he turns and he says, well, how do you read it? What do you see? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered absolutely correct. Go and do these things. And he says, well, I would, but I, uh, who is my neighbor? Who, who, who is this neighbor? Will I, will I know him when I recognize him? Will I see him? Is he, is he the one that lives next door? Is he, is he the one that lives within my neighborhood? Is he the one that's in my family? Because, uh, you know, I, I've got this. So it, that tells me he's got the loving God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind down pat. He, because he don't ask nothing about that. But he wants to know who he's supposed to serve, who he's supposed to reach, who he's supposed to wrap his arm around and hug, and who is he supposed to minister to. He said, because I, I know the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what? I can stand up here and tell you that I do. I know the Lord God, and, but now, and I love him. I know what all he's done for me. And I know where he's brought me. And I know what he's brought me out of. And I can say I love him with my all my, my, my heart. But really, there's only one who's ever loved him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ who has emulated the way that we should love our heavenly Father. For he said, not my will, but thy will. He loves him unconditionally. And, and the Father loves the Son the same way. For God so loved the world that he sent his Son. And I, but I, as good as he's been to me and as good as he's been to you, you can stand up and say that you try to love him anyway with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if he tells me to love him that way, then he makes it possible for me to love him that way. And if you stand and tell me that you love him that way and I stand and tell you that I love him that way, it's hard to me to, to dispute that. It's hard for me to reach into you and, and hear uh, and, and feel your emotions that you have towards the Lord. But it's not easy, it's hard for it's, it's not hard for me to I can't dispute that, but the second one I can because you can see it. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And he, so he says, I can't dispute that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, that you're wrapped up and lost in him. Uh, but I can see it in your actions. I can see it. I can't, I can't it, your your actions contradict your words. Uh, and because the lawyer's looking for a way out, 29, looking to how he may justify himself he's he's looking for a way out he's looking for an excuse i don't think he's trying to justify himself in front of men or the people that are there he's trying to trying to help his own conscience he's trying to get it off his own conscience and he says uh and he, and, and so jesus reveals to him who his neighbor is uh, but he, in, in a form of a parable he says jesus said to him a certain Man went down to Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him. Listen to that now. He stripped him of his raiment, his clothes, wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The priest, whether he was going or coming uh, to do his ministerial duties, he was either headed to church 
or he was coming from church. Let's just put it in some terms we can understand. This priest is the pastors who are coming and going and doing the work of the Lord and they're doing these things and they come down and he says he comes down and he sees the man laying over there and he sees it, but he don't hear. He don't hear right. He sees what's going on, but he hears something a little bit different. This is what he hears. Uh, you just came uh, from the temple. You can't defile yourself by touching this man. You can't defile yourself by getting down where he is. You've, you're a pastor. You're a leader. You've equipped people to come in and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You can appoint somebody to come back and maybe when I get back, I will minister to him or I'll get someone else to come and minister to him. But at this point in time, I just can't do it. I can't take a risk to defile myself and he passes on by on the other side. And then the Levite comes, it says, in the same place, verse 32, and a Levite likewise came to the same place and he come and he looked on them. He stayed. He looked on him, and he passed by on the other side. This is the church members who say that, you know, the ones that, are, and that say they're going to come alongside and help you and pray for you and do this and do that. But if you need me, just give me a call. If you need me, just give me a call and I'll, I'll be there. And, and, and the whole time they need you, the whole time they need you. See, the priest is, is, is looking at him in faith saying that, you know, it's going to be all right. The Levite's looking at him and saying, I'm I, I going to help you. I, I'm going to get somebody. I'm going to, get the, I'm going to do this. And he's offering some hope in, in that situation. And he rolls on by. And the Samaritan, he says, and then there's a Samaritan uh, that comes by. It's a Samaritan that comes by on his journey. Verse 33, and he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion. And he went to him and he bound him up his wounds pouring in the oil and the wine, and he set him on his own beast, and he brought him into the inn and took care of him. And this Samaritan come by, and he looked, and it's the same scenario. He looks at him, and he could have said, well, you know, this is a Jew, and we don't have any dealings uh, with them, but I don't think that the situation allowed him to dictate on whether or not he would serve this man. And he reached down, and he got off of his beast, and he reached down, and he had compassion on the man, and he said he he. he helped the man and he bound up his wounds and he poured the oil on him which was a type of antiseptic and he poured the poured the uh, wine on him was a type of antiseptic and the and the oil to kind of soothe and to for healing aspects and he brought him to the inn and brought him to an inn and he took care of him. He took care of him. And he goes on to say and on the morrow when he departed he took two pence and he gave them to the host and he said take care of him and whatever he needs uh, whatever he spends, when I come again, I will pay you. Which now of these three do you think was the neighbor? Yes. And him that fell among thieves. To him that fell among, fell among thieves. Well, the Samaritan man, what did he do? He went to him. He went to his help. Don't. He went to help and aid uh, the wounded man. You know, you gotta. We, that's the calling that we all have on our life is to to go and help and don't let our faith defile their faith or our faith defile our faith. Don't let, it, don't let us get in the way of helping. Uh, now, you've got to be careful as a Christian who you help. Now, this was a dangerous highway. This was a highway going down. It's called the Bloody Way. It was full of cliffs and crevices and, and was easy to get to jump on someone. It was easy to get attacked. And I'm not telling you that we don't pick and choose who we help. I'm saying when you help someone, you got to be careful on how you help them. Galatians 6, 1 says, Brother, if you uh, see a man overtaken in fault, you who are spiritual, that priest, you who are the leaders, restore each one of them with a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you fall into the same fate. 
So you got to be careful, not that you help someone, how you help someone. Because some people that you help will look and try to figure out, then turn it around and try to figure out how to milk this situation the best that they can. And you know what? You, you too will get drawn in uh, to some different things if you don't watch your foot on how you help someone. So, But he did go to him. And so I just tell you uh, to be careful, not who you help or with who you help, and be careful how you help. And the Bible says that he bound his wounds up. He showed mercy. He showed kindness and compassion uh, to him that was in need, to him that was uh, needed help. So who we help reveals, Don't be careful how you help and who you help, and don't let it reveal a weakness in you because the Lord's not, the enemy is not after your strengths. He's after your weaknesses. And verse 2 of Galatians 6 says, because we are called to bear one another's burdens to fill the law of Christ. But be careful that they put these burdens on you and on you and keep piling them on. And these are burdens that you don't have any business carrying. These are burdens that you didn't accumulate on yourself. All you did was want to help the person. And then you find yourself, and we've all found ourselves in this situation, where they need more and they want more and they take more and they get more and they keep on and they keep going. And it begins to be a burden, not that you have a burden trying to help. They become a burden dragging you down. So be careful not who you help, but how you help and how much you offer to help. Uh, nothing more than they need, nothing less than you have to give. That's how you kind of roll that. And then he says, pouring out the oil and the wine to soothe and to heal the, the blood and the wine. And I got here, just the, in the spiritual, it's the spirit and the blood. It's the spirit and the blood. It's the, it's the, the in which we, we live by. Uh, it's almost like the... Uh, you know, your gifts can help, your faith can help, but he's not, the gift ain't doing it and the faith ain't doing it. What he wants is he wants you and your gift to help him. He wants you and your faith to help him. That's, that's really where he's trying to get us to. Uh, so he says, uh, replace the, the gift with yourself when you go to help. And replace the faith with yourself and let them help. You, your faith, helps them. You and your gift helps them. He says, listen to the Spirit. As He poured the Spirit, He poured the wine and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what? They were brought to that place, to the end place, to recover, to restore, and to heal. And that's where they were brought there too, and to strengthen. And you know what the Good Samaritan did? He went on. Because love don't charge you nothing. Love don't charge you anything for what you give them. And he went on about his business. And the innkeeper uh, stood in his place, stood in, interceded for that good Samaritan uh, to help that brother who has fallen. And he's helped that brother. And so uh, we see there that there's another principle in play there that, that love has went on, or the good, the good Samaritan has went on, uh, but he has left someone there to take his place and to do that work of the ministry. And then Jesus said, You, uh, uh, who, who? And he said unto him, verse 37. He, uh, well, I'm sorry, 36. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto them that fell among thieves? 37. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise, what Jesus told him. So the Good Samaritan was the, was, well, I'm not sure, real sure that the, the Good Samaritan was the neighbor. 
But he, he answered the lawyer's question like this, are you a neighbor? Are you a neighbor? Who was the neighbor? What's the one that showed kindness? Okay, are you that neighbor? Are you that one that showed kindness? Are you the one that reached out? Are you that one? And then we find ourselves, uh, so I find myself being convicted uh, here in this, in this, in a, in a way, in a sense. And I hope that that Lord speaks to me and y'all can just eavesdrop on what he's saying to me. But he says that today is the day. Today is the day that if my people who are called by my name uh, turn, humble themselves and repent and pray, he'll heal the land. Yeah. That's, that's the promise of the God. T today is that day. It's Independence Day. They declared independence 246 years ago from a tyranny government. And I say that, you know what, that we are of a kingdom. We are of a kingdom mindset. We serve a king. We pray to, as, for these leaders and these government officials that we may live peaceable lives. We do that. That's biblical. But he also says that we walk not after the economics of this See this world, not after the stock markets of this world, not after the mandates of this world, but we walk in after the, the footsteps of God, after a kingdom of a king. And that's the king that we serve as the Lord Jesus Christ. And today is the day of salvation. So I would say this. Today, if you need to know how to get to this destination, that, that you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that you put your faith in Him, that you trust Him, that you turn and you look to Him, and you look to Him as the author or as the Savior of the world. For He came as a babe and He lived as a man, was crucified, buried, and rose again that our sins could be forgiven. He shed His blood for without the shedding of blood. There is no uh, forgiveness of sin. So if you fall in the first category in verse 27, how do I inherit eternal life? You call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and His blood covers you from all your sins and all your unrighteousness. And don't think for one minute that any of us is righteous. No, not one. Only Him. Only Jesus Christ is righteous. And so today is the day that you can be saved. Today is the day uh, that you can see the Father through the Son as He has revealed it to you. What do you see? What do you hear? And that's the question He asked. What do you see when you look at the cross? What do you hear when you hear eternal life? What do you see? And what do you hear? Today is the day where the dangerous roads and crooked places go straight and hills are called down to valleys and valleys are called straight and doors are open and doors are closed. Today is that day when he says that this dangerous road has provided help for someone who is in need. Today is the day that we come boldly uh, to the throne room of grace, that we come boldly uh, before our accusers of the brethren and that God the Father is placed and the Son is placed under our, His feet and he says no more and he silences the accuser on our behalf. Today is that day when we enter into that kingdom realm where we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm not talking about when we die. I'm talking about today when you hear, good, well done, and you are doing what you're supposed to do. And, and the Lord says, good job, good. And he gives that good, well done statement. Today we come boldly. Today we declare our independence from an enemy that's held us long before who's held us long before. And uh, you know, it's the, uh, and he says rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's book or in the book of heaven. Uh, but in 17, he says, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning when he fell from it when I cast him out. Behold, I give you the power over these things and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you by any means. Rejoice today is the day uh, he declared independence from that enemy when he conquered him on the cross. 
We're the ones that are being affected by an enemy who is tricking us into thinking that we are this way, that we've got to be this way, that we've got to stay this way, that this is just the way it is. Uh, we get tricked into saying, uh, well, I'm this and I'm that and, and I'll go get you some help, but I can't help you. And then the other one saying, well, I, I know and I can give you some hope. I'll be returned and I'll get you some help. And he says, you've got to get away from that kind of uh, mindset when the enemy is telling you what you should do, what you can't do, what you are, and what you ain't because the Bible says, or what you are not, because the Bible says that he has already conquered that enemy. He's already defeated that enemy. And you have not declared an independence in that. You're saved. Your heart's been made new. But now you've got to renew your mind. Now you've got to renew your mind because the enemy is telling you that you're the same old person, the same old thing, the same old way, and that they're never going to change. But you know what? Love tells us different. Love tells us that people can change. Love tells us that I don't give up on. Love tells us that I will go another step. I will go another mile. My faith can sit back and hope that they do, or, or, or can believe that they can. My hope can sit here and hope that they come. But love makes an intent purpose and an intention to go grab and bring in, to go get, and a purpose, and it keeps going and going. You can't exhaust the grace of God. You can't exhaust the love of the Father. There's just, there's just no way. It would be like taking a cup and trying to dip the ocean out. That's His grace. That's His mercy. That's His love that He has. And He says, the enemy is defeated. I've, I've already defeated him. And don't rejoice over an, uh, an enemy that I defeated. Rejoice on an enemy that you defeated. Death is your biggest enemy. Death was our biggest enemy. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He says, today is the day that we declare independence from our enemy and a dependence on our Savior. Because he says, oh, don't think too highly that you should think when you help your brother lest you fall in that same temptation. You can't be independent from an enemy and dependent on yourself. That enemy is stronger than we are. But, and without Jesus Christ. But with Jesus Christ, greater is He that is in me than he that is after me. And He says, whom the, in whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have no more dealings with that enemy. That enemy tries, he attacks, he walks, and he roars, but that's as far as he can go. He can't do anything else. He can't do anything else. So our dependence is not on, on that freedom, but it's on our Savior. And today is the day that we offer ourselves in our faith, ourselves in our gift, that we offer ourselves to those who are hurting, to those who are, are, are we offer ourselves in our gifting, we offer ourselves in our calling, we offer ourselves and our love. And the Bible, Paul would later say in Corinthians that if you had to pick one, whether you picked your faith, your hope, or your love, I encourage you to love. I encourage you to love because love don't fail. Faith can fail. Lord, help me my unbelief. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But love is the greatest of all things. It's the greatest. For God so loved, so loved. You're so loved today. So loved that we can be called the children of God. So loved that He sent His Son into the world that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life because He came not to condemn you. He didn't come to condemn you he came to save. And He didn't come that you may have eternal life only, but that you may have an abundant life. Yes. An abundant life. An abundant life. 
And he says the love that he has towards us is exceeding great love. It's greater than great. It's, it's greater than great. It's exceeding great. There's no words in our language to describe it. The love that he has for us. So if you got to choose something to walk and to follow after, you're saved by grace through faith. You walk after and chase after the Spirit and you serve Him in love. The love that He's poured into you, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if, if it, when it touches your heart, then it moves your hands. And it moves your feet. And it changes your mindset. And, try, and, I, and I can encourage you too to know that He is omnipresent, that He is all-knowing, all places, and all-powerful, to know that every time you are anywhere in your life as a Christian, He's there. He's there. That does a couple of different things. It gives you some accountability. You don't want to do nothing or say anything that you wouldn't want Him to hear. And it gives you power and authority because you're walking in the power and authority and the Spirit of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus Christ. So it does a couple of different things there. And it's just a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful experience. So it's uh, offer yourself, offer your love. Now, if you would, uh, if Miss Marie would come play. I encourage all of us to stand, please. close your eyes I want you to just think about how good the Lord is to you I want you to think about your last week last couple of weeks I want you to think about home and church school, work I want you to think about those things think about your family about yourself for just a minute. Examine yourself for just a minute. I want to ask you two, a couple of things. What do you see? What do you see when you're looking at those things? And what do you hear? What do you hear? As a pastor, I can't walk by anymore walk by anymore and not help. I can't walk by anymore and not help. 